This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we are uh, relying on the polling data that we received from our Patreon subscribers and uh, selecting our October 1997 review for October of 2017. And uh, Is this our uh, October surprise? Yes, our October surprise. And believe it or not, Jay, the surprise is we had a tie again. <laughs> Shocker. Every, I don't know what it is, but the last our, like three times we've had ties. I think our patrons are just messing with us at this point. I think they do because it seemed pretty clear that one was going to win. And then like all of a sudden I checked it like moments after the poll ended and I was like, you got to be kidding me. We've got another tie. So the last time we did a runoff and just put the final two into a a runoff election and we ended up with a tie again and we just flipped a coin. So rather than just do the runoff election, I just said, forget it. We're just going to flip a coin. And I didn't tell anybody what, what that ended up being. So when this episode goes out, this will be the, the, the reveal who gets the rose. If you, if you want to uh, go that way uh, and it's hot water music forever and counting released in October of 1997. The other options were the Deftones album Around the Fur, Steve Earle's El Corazon, and Mogwai's Young Team. Deftones Around the Fur tied but lost the coin flip. And oh, you know, we need to mention, we'll get to it later, but we're we're testing out the studio headphones from Sweden. We've been doing it all month. Uh, this is our uh, third episode, checking them out, and we'll get a little bit deeper into those later in the episode. Um, what's the uh, what's the promo code? Dig me out fifteen. That's D I G M E O U T one five. You get fifteen percent off your purchase at studio s u d i o sweden dot com uh, forward slash u s. Jay, so let me ask you: Were you familiar with hot water music prior to this episode? Uh, I was. Um, I'm more familiar with the. I guess the second half of their career okay maybe uh, so from I, think, I was trying to go back and find the earliest record i have i think it's probably in the early 2000 range um when i first really discovered the band was um, that caution or a flight in a crash um, or the new look, what next i'm looking here those were the early up. 2000 records from what i see is Flight in a Crash the name of the record? Yeah. Came out in 2001. On yeah. Habitat. Uh, yeah, that's probably the first one. Okay. Going through my, I'm actually going through my collection. Wow. Yeah, that's the first one I have. Okay. Uh, actually, Never Ender I have too, which it's listed as 2001. Well, Never Ender is so anyway, a compilation. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, and I'm trying to remember how I discovered the band. Maybe, uh, I want to say it was like Pandora or something. I don't know. Some, some, some way online. Um, right through, um, you know, if you like this band, you'll like, you'll like this band kind of thing. So mm-hmm. 
I guess I'll caveat and say I feel like this the latter era of the band, especially in the last you know ten years or so, five years, is fairly different. Okay, maybe significantly different than this material. So it was interesting to go back. I hadn't I had I had heard the early stuff, but I hadn't spent as much time with it. So okay, it's 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 a bit of a a discovery for me in that uh, I think it's uh, sounds different enough that it's almost a different band in some ways. Gotcha. I had never listened to anything. I've never streamed them or downloaded anything or what have you. So, and I knew the name, I knew the kind of where they were placed in terms of bands that they were compared to and, um, never got, never sought them out. So I'm glad that we're getting to do that now. We should talk about some of the comments that we got from our Patreon subscribers. And I want to mention we've got a new Patreon subscriber, Sean Enos, just joined us at the $1 level. Welcome, Sean. We look forward to your comments. And uh, maybe you can tip the scales in our next poll so that we don't have a tie. Sean's going to be the nickname, the tiebreaker. Yeah. Sean, you're now the tiebreaker. The breaker Uh, of chains. Breaker of chains. Nice. Uh, Davey Bright said, wow, this is tough. I have all four of these albums. Forever and Counting is definitely the one I've listened to the most. I feel old now. Don't we all, Davey? Uh, Tara McCook, this is a tough poll, but I think Steve Earle wins out. Mm, no. Not only will it be a nice compliment to the all-country Americana conversation from a couple weeks ago, but that one of his best records and his first on his own label. Uh, unfortunately, we'll get to that sometime down the road but not this time uh steven musinski tough choice for sure as i'm very familiar with and enjoy three of the four albums here but i gotta go with my gut and vote for hot water music i think they're a great candidate for the show plus they just had a new album come out and i know tim loves the tie-in yes sir i do anytime we have a chance to uh tie hey, it I, to i think releases. i had to sell you on that when we were making the call here i remember i was pushing hard for hey they just had a new record come out so so include them so yeah um jason pan only really know the mogwai album so i gotta go with that my only summer is a great song to riff on guitar but deftones were never really my genre so never listened to the album steve earl i only know of by reputation and surprised with people's familiarity with hot water music, maybe they never made it to Australia radio, but it's a band I've never heard of. So Jason, maybe want to check them out after this episode. We'll see how this goes. Brandon Trammell, guitar tones aside, those first two hot water music records are serious bangers. They came through Flint five or six times back then. So I saw them a lot. Great band. I haven't heard those first two records. I only listened to this record. And uh, I don't know if the guitar tones are similar or different. Uh, I guess we'll talk about them later. Gavin says, has to be Hot Water Music. Incredible band. Should be massive. Perfect for this format. Keith Sawyer says, I like the cover of the Deftones release the best. Uh, okay, Keith. Thanks for the input. I guess he, I guess <laughs> his, his was the Deftones vote. Mm. And uh, so we had the tie. We flipped a coin. Hot Water Music won over the Deftones. That's what we're reviewing. Brief history, since a lot of people have uh, already know. They're from Gainesville, Florida. They formed in 1993, but then broke up in 1996 or went on hiatus. And um, that was after releasing a couple of singles and an EP. 
They got back together the following year in 1997. That's when they released their first album, Fuel for the Hate Game, on No Idea Records. The second full-length uh, Forever and Counting, which we're reviewing, was released on Doghouse Records in 1997, but then was re-released by Rise Records in 2012. And that has some bonus tracks, which you can also stream on Spotify. Um, and then in uh, 1999, No Division came out on No Idea Records, A Flight and a Crash on Epitaph in 2001, Caution on Epitaph in 2002, the new What Next on Epitaph in 2004. And then they, again, went on hiatus, uh, went off and did separate bands, uh, got back together, separated in 2006, got back together in 2008, released Exister on Rise Records in 2012, and then five years later, which is just this past year, or, or this year, lighted up on Rise Records, and they have a number of compilations. Finding the Rhythms was released in 1995, Never Ender released in 2001, Until the Wheels Fall Off in 2008. They have a couple of live albums, and then they have a lot of EPs and split singles and seven inches, that kind of stuff. So, and I, I didn't mention, the band is Chuck Reagan, Chris Wallard. They're the two singers, Jason Black and George Rebello. And uh, Chuck Reagan has a career as a solo artist, so um, his solo material is very different than this. It's like I I would describe it as Americana. Okay. Um, So if you like generally uh, – in in the latter stuff kind of gets more like Springsteen-y almost, um, I guess you could say. Um, Okay. It's definitely – as you get into this record and kind of hear this, it's interesting – you go to his solo stuff and then later stuff and kind of see the thread uh, that ties it all together and the fact that it um, it kind of goes in pretty pretty far, far extremes at times, um, but it, it kind of is all held together by him and his voice to me. Okay. I'll have to check that out sometime. And then just for the specifics, this album was released October 28th, 1997 on Doghouse Records and Rise Records later did the re-release. Now, what's interesting, for this album, they were called the Hot Water Music Band because oh. Elektra claimed they own the rights to the name Hot Water Music because uh, they had a ba- another was another band on their label. Hmm. The Elektra band broke up after the release of the album and Hot Water Music continued. So on the original pressing of on the CD, it says the Hot Water Music Band, but then when it was re-released... Uh, it says just hot water music. So how is it possible there would be two bands called that? Well, here's the thing: the name comes from a Chuck Bukowski collection of uh, short stories. So obviously, two okay. uh, two very literate uh, singers or uh, guitar players or what have you were reading Chuck Bukowski around the same time and uh, settled on that for the gotcha. band name. There you go. Yeah, there you go. So let's talk about this album, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you tell me one thing you liked about it. I want okay. to hear you first. Sweet. I'm flipping the table. Oh, you're flipping it. Well, <laughs> okay. Uh, th- I'm woke. Funny. You are. So what's interesting is the thing that I, I like about this record is also the thing that frustrates me. 
So I'll mm. tell you what I like. I like the lack of adherence to what I would call standard punk rock conventions in that this isn't a band that does, you know, a, a verse and then a big sing-songy chorus and then another verse and then a sing-songy chorus. And there's not a lot of like um, focusing on having super melodic vocal chorus vocals. They are, they're, they kind of forge their own path. I guess this would be called post-punk in some ways or post-hardcore. Um, in, in some ways it reminded me of like early cursive in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I, I really like the fact that they don't stick to that sort of, I, we've run into it. It's kind of a tired formula where you just kind of know where everything's going to kind of land throughout the song. And, and you can listen to this record and you're really never not, you're never, you're, you're really never going to know where the chorus or with a bridge, or where what part is going to come at you when? Um, they're very unpredictable with that, and it was a breath of fresh air because we've run into it so many times before. And I think that that combined with the fact that they have the dual vocals where they play off of each other really makes it a unique sound when they are taking these sort of punk conventions and then twisting them, and then they have the dual vocals and they can. They can bounce off of each other. Um, I can't think of another band. I, I mentioned Cursive, but that's pretty much Tim Casher's band in terms of the vocal department. He's not he's not bouncing his vocal off of a second singer. So uh, there's some stuff where the guitar player sings. Yeah, not as not much. as much as this band. Yeah, not it's as, not a constant. No, it's but. not a constant. It's a it's a counter melody here and there, but not to the degree that this that this band is. So I guess I would say the one thing that I really liked about this band was their lack of convention and their use of the two singers to create some really unique melody and really unique vocal combinations that you just don't hear in a lot of bands. Even the bands that I saw as being compared to them, whether it's um, Jawbreaker or Bad Religion or Against Me or any of those bands, I feel like this band is doing something uh, quite a bit different. Jay, now that I have given mine, finally, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. world is waiting. What is something that you <laughs> like about this band or about this album? Uh, what you said. Now what do we do? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. The, the, uh, they're original in a, in a genre that sometimes is difficult to be original in. So right. you get all the energy um, that you get out of like post-hardcore and even some emo stuff and punk bursts of tempo, uh, you know, loud guitars, 
fast drums, really passion and passion vocals, almost mm-hmm. yelling or really raspy kind of voices. You get all this, you know, grittiness and energy, but there's still like this underbelly, which if you're, you know, if anybody listening to this is familiar with the later material, um, you know what they're capable of in terms of, you know, writing hooks and writing more, um, I guess, traditional songs. So it's interesting to go back and listen to the roots of the band here. And you can hear those tendencies and those, like they, they know what they're doing and, but they're still very much in a, I think at this point in a, you know, a very unique uh, space in terms of creating songs that are, I guess, a little bit more adventurous than what they would do now. Um, I'm not saying it's better or worse, but it's it's just different in terms of, you know, they're experimenting a little bit more. You can hear um, different influences that are, you know, maybe a little bit more, um, you know, math rock or post-hardcore. Uh, a lot of dynamics, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, doing creative things in terms of being loud and quiet and how you texture instruments and uh, having counters and starts and stops and you know and unique drum fills and just accents and it's got all of those pieces i mean it doesn't go as far as being you know overly mathy or progressive but it has enough Mm -hmm. there that it keeps you it keeps you uh plugged into the into the tune and and not sure to your point not only from a songwriting standpoint but also from a dynamic standpoint kind of what what left turn or right turn they're going to take it's it's difficult to predict which is is always a fun listen so, yeah, I mean, I don't – this is one of those cases where I feel like sometimes in our reviews we lean, <clears throat> we lean in on, on other familiar bands um, to reference and to um, kind of describe what they talk about. This was a record where I I, I didn't find myself doing that. Um, so, you know, just going through my notes, there's not a lot of call-outs to other bands. It's more just trying to articulate what the you – know, sonically what was going on with the band. So I think that says a lot, you know. Uh, we don't – I don't, I don't feel like we run, run across that a ton. I, you know, a lot of times in our reviews, I feel like we we lean pretty heavy on who they sound like, um, whatever band we're talking about. And I, and I didn't wasn't able to do that a lot here. Right. Um, there's there's a couple spots where I heard maybe like a especially a song like Manual Track Six. You can kind of hear like a Sunny Day Real Estate kind of thing going on when they get a little bit more. I don't know. There's like a darker riff and the the, the energy's brought down a little bit. But it's it's all just tangential. It's not, you know, yeah, lifted or that direct. Um, it's just kind of in, in the same ballpark, I guess, at times. But uh, most of the rest of the record is fairly unique. Yeah, I think from the opening song, when you hear the way that the album opens, it's 
unlike anything you're probably going to hear, even if you've listened to a lot of post-punk, emo, post-hardcore, whatever, it, it just sounds different from them opening with basically a drum and a bass part with the shouting vocals over top. It, but it's, it just has a different feel to it. And I had a hard time, like I mentioned cursive only because at the beginning of the cursive um, album cycle, whatever you want to call it, the first early cursive albums, Tim Kasher was doing some shouting that sounded somewhat similar to this, but yeah. And the, and the guitar tones at times approach that, Yeah, that does sort of lead me into some of the stuff that I, I didn't like. I, I kind of felt like the guitar tones were a little, I don't know if it's like processed or, or brittle or what have you, but they're really like mid rangey and, um, yeah. uh, they just, and I know that I, I, I Googled the record and it, it, one of the first things that came up was, uh, bassist, um, Jason, uh, black did a interview with vice and, uh, he, they do the, where you rank your records and he put this dead last and said that this was their worst record. Mm. And a lot of it had to do with just the way that they had recorded it and the sound of it. Yeah. And that I do struggle with the sound because sometimes it sounds like really, really like spot on uh, 90s sort of emo, hardcore, post-hardcore, whatever. And yeah. then there are songs where like, I think it's like, I think it's Man the Change. There's parts of that song that sound like, where it's like guitar riffing that would be like off like biohazard or something like it's just mm-hmm. these like big chunky like groove oriented guitar riffs that are just like but it's that tone that sounds like it sounds like a solid state amp or something like i don't know <laughs> what it is but it's a bad yeah. sounding yeah amp but on other parts of the record it doesn't bother me as much but when they i think it's when they do like the big riffs where it's just like power mm. chords that's yeah. where it like it starts to really show its weakness yeah. as a uh, as a guitar tone. all this month of course we are talking about our studio regent headphones that we were gifted thanks to the folks at studio sweden which you can find at studiosweden.com also on facebook and instagram at studio sweden you can go to dig me out or use the dig me out 15 percent off purchase code 
In October, it's Pink October for the Breast Cancer Foundation. 10% of all profits from pink products will be donated to the Breast Cancer Foundation. What was that promo code again? The promo code is digmeout1515. Gotcha. All, all one word. So we talked about how we our experience with reviewing music in it. Yeah. Um, in the through these headphones you've been using them to edit how's that been going one of the things that i found that's interesting is a while back so we're going to get into a little bit of into inside baseball i guess you'd say here so when i edit i i put a little bit of music in the background that Mm -hmm. used to be at a higher level and then a couple of people were like hey there's so much music i can't hear what you guys are talking about it's distracting so i brought the i still wanted to keep the music because i faded in and out when we want to give an example for a song so i just lowered the volume at which that was playing and when i lowered it i lowered it to such a volume that i actually couldn't hear it when i was editing Mm -hmm. what i have found is that with the studio headphones i can now hear that music like it's, it's faint but whatever frequencies that those were hitting were completely lost in my previous headphones right so I just assumed the music was there, but I never actually heard it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's pretty important. <laughs> like, it is. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Well, good. Have you gotten, have we gotten any feedback or people happier that they're, uh, we're not shouting over, over the music? Yeah. I think they're much happier with our, with our decision <laughs> to, to lower the music. Good. But uh, yeah, I've noticed that, uh, that's made a difference and it's also, you know, I, not everything is mastered musically at the same level. Mm-hmm. So when I dump music into the podcast, um, sometimes I'm I'm having to adjust uh, the what I thought is my standard level of raising and lowering volume for music when I'm bringing it in and out. And I've just kind of I've just noticed this is just a little more sensitive. Like I can I can pick up the the um, volumes a little bit easier, and I I felt like. Sometimes I would do the podcast in GarageBand, I'd export it out, and I thought I had done a good job, and then I would listen to it in iTunes before I would upload it to our Podbean page, and I would be like, oh, wow, the, the music volume really jumped when I, and I'd go back and I'd have to like adjust that. Mm-hmm. So I'm finding that the just the, just the balance is a little bit better because um, I'm not missing frequencies, <laughs> I guess you'd say. Yeah. So... Well, yeah, I mean, they're really well-balanced. I don't know if they're considered reference headphones, but basically what's that, what that means is you're going for the flattest sound possible in terms of, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's just true to whatever's there. So that's pretty crucial to editing. So yeah. I'm glad it's helping. Yeah. So reminder, Dig Me Out 15 is the 15% off any purchase over at studiosweden.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Studio Sweden and Pink October. 10% of all profits from pink products will be donated to the Breast Cancer Foundation. Let's get back to the show, Jay. I liked listening to the record all the way through, but when I was like trying to go through each song and like pick out what I liked, I had a harder time because because there isn't like a killer chorus to a lot of these songs. It's really about the song in, in total yeah. that 
I didn't find myself in love with the record, um, but I but I definitely liked it. So I don't know. Did you? Oh, yeah, did you I'm with you. That? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, okay. I almost, I think you're being almost too kind on the production. It's the the guitars are way over compressed, right? Yeah. That's where you get all that mid that mid range. That's just everything's in that frequency. It's to the point of where it's it kind of hurts your ears. It's yeah. just not pleasant to listen to. You, it's a it's a giveaway when the parts of the song that should get big, when there's so much compression on it like that, they actually don't get big. They get smaller because there's <laughs> there's nowhere left for it to go. So the yeah. whole sound is kind of like shrinks up and i think beyond that it's not just the guitar tone it's like the overall like engineering of the record is just so strange not the instruments just don't fit together correctly like the basses there's some great bass parts on this record yeah but the tone of the bass is it, it it's in the other extreme like it's so clean it sounds like he's plugged straight into a you know into the board like there's no amp tone or s- string noise or anything i mean it's just like yeah this flat bass tone and, and the two just don't go together. Like, I, I don't know if you're going to do guitars that are that overly compressed and, um, distorted, uh, you gotta, uh, you gotta commit to that, I think. And the bass has got to step up to it. And then the drums are like distant and not are pretty much, you know, tinny and just not, not very strong. Um, so, Man, I mean, the engineering of this record makes it a tough listen. I, that's why I wanted you to go first because I'm biased in that I know what this band sounds like when it's recorded properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could decipher. I felt like I was um, able to cut through the bad production maybe faster than others could because I was familiar with the style of the band and what they could sound like. And that right. was probably coloring or biasing my take on it. But yeah, I'm with you. The, the 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 engineering on this record is 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 brutal. Um, some of the guitars too are just so freaking loud. Like yeah, way mixed too loud. And when you've got a singer, I guess I'll go into the next criticism I have. I'm not a fan of the dual vocals on, with this band. Um, I've heard other bands do it fine, but there's points in this song uh, um, on these songs where. It almost sounds like hey, I have two different ideas for what the part should be, and they're both just yelling them at the same time. <laughs> um, right. Which is, uh, it's like get together, guys. Like figure out what you're trying to do here, and then the other person should counter that. And instead, it sounds like okay, let's count to three, and we'll both say something. <laughs> like one, two, three, blah, 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 blah. and like you know, it's hard to focus on like what's going on right now. The other criticism I have on that front is I felt like. And this is totally subjective, but I felt like when you've got two people singing the same, like instead of one person singing the line or a chorus, you've got this, this like choreographed handoff between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to the parts where they actually, you know, it sounds like they are trying to like work together and figure out like, okay, how do we break this up? It, like for whatever reason, it didn't like lyrically work as well for me. Like it's because two people are saying it, you can't buy into like somebody meaning it. Cause you already hearing two different people say the same sentiment. Right. I don't know. That was a weird thing. I, I, I it just occurred to me as I was listening to this is like, I just feel distant to the lyrics when they deliver them that way. Cause I don't, 
it feels too forced and like they're trying too hard. And I can't just buy into like the earnestness of what the lyric is and his, the main uh, Chuck Reagan's tone of his voice, which if you listen to his solo stuff and the later hot water music stuff, that's what, that's one of the key things that works about it. There's just a connection between the words he says and the way his voice sounds, hmm. um, and the energy that the band brings that makes the whole thing work. And when you've got another person in there, it just, to me, was more distraction. Are, do they keep up the dual vocal thing later on? I don't think so. I mean, if they are doing it, it's not apparent to me. I mean, it was kind of a sh- surprise to me to go back and hear how much they were doing it on this. Um, right. I mean, the material I like is, um, I believe to be all Chuck Reagan. I don't know. I'm not a, like a f- expert on the band, but from what I just hear sonically, I'm not hearing two people sing. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I, I, at first I thought the vocals were going to bother me because I'm not a huge fan of that style. But as I got more into it, I, I kind of, it, it won me over. I know what you're saying about, there are times where it sounds like they both had the same like lyric sheet. And then they just recorded it at the same time without consulting each other. So like they're not like singing at the same like cadence or the same. And maybe that's intentional to to cause sort of like a weird friction between the vocals. But there is there are some really weird spots where I'm just like, I don't understand that. I don't understand what you're doing there. Because Mm -hmm. one of the bands that I, I did think of that used dual vocals either as they switched off as lead singers or they they sang different parts was fugazi mm-hmm. um and and song like three song summer strong kind of has like a fugazi-ish kind of feel to it in in parts difference between the two vocals in Fugazi is so different compared to yeah what's going on here that it I, it didn't work as well here and where it was supposed to so yeah that's a great point i mean uh, the other singer sounds like a like not as good as like he's trying to do Chuck Reagan but he's not as good at it right so i think it can work when you've got tonal differences and you're are comp- contrasting and complementing each other, but when the two are trying to basically sound the same, yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I, it doesn't make it. I, I don't get the point. Yeah. So, I think we're. I think we can 
discuss an overall rating for this record, Jay. Were the album better EP or decent single? I'm curious where you're going to land on this. Mm. Um, I, you know, I like this band a lot. So, but I have to be honest. I think this is a, this is a better EP for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got, at six of the 12 songs um, that I really like. And I have to think that I'm a little biased in grading them on a curve. So I'm curious to hear what you think. I, you know, I think the production alone makes this a tough, a tough yeah. album. I'd be at like a four song EP. I think I'd take like Translocation, Just Don't Say You Lost It, uh, Manual, and Three Summers Strong would be like my, my four picks of the songs that like stuck out for me i think some of the, the issue is that for some most of the other songs they just didn't like leave a lasting impression mm-hmm. on me uh not to say they're bad but they just i didn't i didn't have i didn't find a way to dig into them and like find something that stuck with me on those the other tunes so i'd be at like a four song ep would be my my max uh on this record which is uh, probably a, a bit of a disappointment for all the people who, from what I read, give this a five star out of five review, and there was a lot of love for this record. And I'm not trying to be contrarian for, for the sake of contrarian, but uh, of being a contrarian. But yeah, sometimes uh, production can kill it. This is an instance where I think just like repeated listens kind of just fatigued me with um, mm-hmm. how like you said, consistently loud everything is. And I feel like it needed some, it definitely needed some relaxed space here and there. When the, when the record does get quiet, it's so nice. And, yeah. And I don't mean that. I mean, look, I listen to a lot of like loud music. I listen to a lot of metal and loud oh, music. Yeah. So it's not about that. It's, it needs space, you know? And when they do, they, I mean, there are moments on this where they do do that. Like right? it'll just be mm-hmm. bass and vocal and, drums or just one guitar and it's just such a i don't know just such a great shift and makes you appreciate the songs yeah. more um and then those guitars come in it's like oh man <laughs> tone it down yeah well that is two eps from myself and jay and uh, we need to thank our patreon voters over at patreon.com forward slash dig me out who helped us select our October 1997 record. We'll have one for November as well. That'll be our last one for the year because, quite frankly, not a lot of albums were released in December of 1997, so there's not much to pick from unless you want to go with like Celine Dion's Christmas album, but I don't think we're going to do that. So uh, the last opportunity to vote for an album will be November uh, 97. That'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. And we need to thank thank, uh, Sean... Enos for joining us at $1 level. You can join us, like I mentioned, dig me out over at Patreon. And I want to remind everybody, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com 
where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com. 